0: Turn with me to John chapter 2 and verse 12. John chapter 2 and verse 12. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be the brother or sister of Jesus? Uh, I once heard a comedian say, uh, can you imagine what would happen at report card time? Well, why can't you get good grades like Jesus does? Or why don't you clean up your room like Jesus does? You now, we we laugh about those things, but you know, it it must have been a remarkable thing to be raised in the same home as Jesus. Yet something was missing in that. Jesus spoke words of insight. Jesus' righteousness was displayed. The wisdom that Jesus had that confounded the doctors in the temple. All of these things were present, and yet none of his brothers or sisters believed in him until after the resurrection. They missed it. The one that had been predicting the Old Testament scriptures that they studied every day, the one they had anticipated for all this time was there in their midst, and they missed it. There's a danger that we could be in God's house that we could be worshiping God and miss the one who is the meaning of it all, Jesus Christ. You know, that was my story. I was raised uh, in church and uh, knew a lot about the Bible. I could answer a lot of Bible questions, but I did not know Jesus Christ. And it's amazing to me how when I finally surrendered my heart to Christ and put my trust in Jesus, how the light came on in my heart and everything was different. And I've never been the same. We need to make sure that we don't miss Jesus. You may be here today and and perhaps you don't know him personally. You can know him personally before you leave this place. You may be here and you may know Him, but maybe you've drifted from Him. Do you miss the sweetness of your fellowship with Him? Do you miss the days when you were out of the desert and you were in the place of nourishment with God? Jesus has just performed His first miracle in the Canaan of Galilee. And he has gone for a few days to spend some time with his disciples and with Mary and his brothers. And uh, then he comes up to Jerusalem because it's the time of the Passover. But when he comes to Jerusalem, he sees in the temple the selling of cattle, of doves, and the money changers who were there, they were making the racket of the marketplace in the court of the Gentiles, which was supposed to be set apart for prayer. And Jesus begins to get angry. You don't see Jesus really angry in a lot of places in Scripture, but one place that is very clear he is angry is here. You see, The court of the Gentiles was so that God's purpose of the nations coming to Jerusalem, coming to his temple to worship him, could be fulfilled. They were to seek his face in prayer. They were to call upon his name. But there was no room amidst the chicken poop and the noise and the clucking and all of the things that were going on in the court of the Gentiles. But there was something even more serious wrong than just the the occupation of this sacred place. The leadership of Israel also had missed Jesus. They had drifted from God, and they were more concerned about making a buck, fleecing God's people, than they were about honoring God and fulfilling His purposes. They had drifted from God. So Jesus makes himself a whip of cords. And he goes in there. That pasty-faced Jesus you see in a lot of the pictures, this is not a reality. Uh, Jesus goes into the temple court and he starts turning over tables and there's money and birds and everything flying everywhere. He's Taking the whip and driving the cattle out, and he, getting a few money changers with them. And he says, How dare you turn my father's house into a business? Needless to say, they weren't too happy with Jesus. They asked him about his authority and so forth, and one of the other gospels makes that clear. Uh, <laughs> they say, "Well, why are you doing these things?" And uh basically, who do you think you are to do this? And and so Jesus begins to testify uh and uh speaks a few words to them. And then he goes and he he works some signs in in the Passover festival. But nobody notices him and really believes Aside from just a surface belief, they miss him. The one who is the fulfillment of the temple, they miss. Jesus says, the sign that I give you, that that I have the authority to do this, is destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. They said, what are you talking about? This this temple took 46 years to build this temple. You think you're going to build it in three days? They totally missed the point. He was talking about his body. And you see... Jesus says, I'm going to have a sign. You're going to destroy this temple, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up. And, of course, he did. (laughs) Um, The one that was the fulfillment of the temple is with them, and they don't recognize him. The one who is the fulfillment of the Passover is walking in the middle of the Passover festival, and nobody knows who he is. They miss it completely. We need to turn to Jesus and put our trust in Him while we have the opportunity so that we don't miss the one that truly matters. I'm going to tell you something. Church is not primarily about the building that we're in. It's not primarily about the songs that we sing. It's not even primarily about those who are doing the service. Or the people in the pew. Church is about Jesus. And if we miss him, we miss everything. So, the title of my message is The Danger of Missing What Matters. The Danger of Missing What Matters. What do we do to avoid missing what matters? Let's read this scripture before we get into the meeting. Look at verse 12. After this, he went down to Capernaum together with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. And they stayed there only a few days. The Jewish Passover was near, and so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves. And he also found the money changers sitting there. After making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews replied to him, What sign will you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore the Jews said, This temple took 46 years to build, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. While he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Jesus, however, did not entrust himself to them since he knew them all and because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man. The danger of missing what matters. What do we need to do? Well, first of all, if you don't want to miss what matters, you need to seek God's face. You need to seek God's face. You see, they had lost their focus. They had lost their perspective. And instead of focusing on Christ, they were focusing on selling animals in the temple. It was a necessary thing for the sacrificial system, but it shouldn't have been there because that was the place to seek God's face. You see... Jesus said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, I'm convinced a lot of times the reason we don't find Jesus is because we're not looking for him. We've got other things that we're doing. We've got other plans that we've made. Uh, We're enjoying life. You remember the story of the, the parable of the sower? And Jesus tells the seed falling among the weeds and the weeds grew up and Choked the seed so that it became fruitful or unfruitful. I believe that is a picture of America today. We are choked out by everything. We're at sports. We're at at, at the workplace. We're on trips. We're doing everything and anything but seeking the face of God. We have become so distracted, we have no time for God in our daily life. And until we get to the place where we're broken and seeking the face of God. What is seeking the face of God all about? It's about relationship. The Bible says that Jesus came so that we could have abundant life. How is that abundant life found? It's found in relationship with him. Jesus is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the abundant life. It's not something you work up. It's not something you manufacture or that pastors get people worked into a frenzy or something. No, it is the presence of a person in your life. And when you're seeking God with all your heart, you will find Him because it's the promise of God. And I'm grateful that God has given us a place here in this room, to seek God's face. I'm grateful that He's given us His Word, His precious Word, so that we can spend time reading the Scripture. I'm grateful that God has given us music so that we can worship Him and lift Him up for the great, awesome, mighty God that He is. All of these things are ways that we seek His face. I'm glad God gives us time that we can draw aside and spend personal time casting our cares upon him. Do you have some cares? I I tell you, you watch the news for more than about five minutes, you're going to have some cares. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things going on in our world. But praise God, we can still cast those cares at the feet of Jesus. We can still find his peace as we seek his face. Listen, no matter what may come, we have a God who can carry us through. No matter what may come, he can restore our soul. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I love the the scripture where Jesus says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come unto me. Seek his face. The rest of God in our spirits doesn't come from performance. It comes from a relationship. As we come to him for what only he can provide. Let's face it. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We have no ability to live the abundant life, to live a fruitful life, apart from the presence of Jesus Christ in us. He is everything. And as we come to him and take his yoke upon us. You see, sometimes people are seeking to please other people. You'll not have peace and rest if you're seeking to please other people. Because you'll please this person and that person will not be pleased. Or you'll please that person, and that person won't be pleased. It's an impossible thing. But if you seek to take Jesus' yoke, you'll find his rest. Seek his face. They were seeking anything and everything, but what they should have been seeking. But when you seek his face, you'll find him. Uh, Solomon uh, shares these words in 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people... God's people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know what I'm convinced America's problem is today? All the wickedness and all the craziness going on in our country today. The problem with America is God's people not seeking His face. If we'll seek His face, if we'll humble ourselves, if we'll turn from our wicked ways, He will keep His promise. David, in the Psalms, regularly sought the face of God, and he recorded that for us in the Psalms. And uh, you can see the joy that had come to his life, and And uh, how he just is, in some places, just exuberant with praise. Uh, One place he says, oh, Lord, how I love your law. As he has sought the face of God over time, his word just gets sweeter. His presence just gets more joyful and more real. And his heart is overflowing. And if you read the end of the Psalms and uh, It's just going from one praise to the next. It's like he just can't keep his mouth shut. He's just got to praise Jesus. Why? Because he's been seeking God's face over time. And he is just filled with joy. And he's filled with hope. Because he's walking with the Lord. I'm convinced we don't have to be defeated. It doesn't matter Who is in charge in our country? I mean, we need to be good citizens. We need to vote and so forth. And we need to pray and vote about people that honor God. But ultimately, that's not the solution to anything. Ultimately, we need to seek Jesus. As we seek Jesus, God will begin to work these other things out. So seek His face. The danger of missing what matters. What do we need to do? First of all, we need to seek God's face. Secondly, shift your focus. Shift your focus. Verse 21, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. You see, they, they just completely missed his point. They're focused on this beautiful temple. Herod has spent a bunch of time souping up the temple, so to speak. He's built, built all this beautiful stuff uh, in addition to what was already there. And uh, the Jews are just very impressed with it. They, uh, look at this beautiful building. Isn't this awesome? The disciples even did that. You remember, Jesus had a discussion with them. Jesus said, well, not one stone will remain on another. You see, Jesus in one place told the, told the people of Israel, he said, it says, because you didn't realize the day of your visitation, your house is left unto you desolate. They were so concerned with the outer accoutrements of religion that they forgot Jesus. The one that the temple represented. They missed the point. Shift your focus. Church is not about the things a lot of times we think about. Ultimately, it is about Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, if this building burned down tomorrow, I praise God for our building. We have a beautiful building. I praise God for it. It's a blessing of God. But I'm going to tell you, if this building burns down tomorrow, Jesus will still be Lord, and this body of believers will still be the church. We need to shift our focus. Sometimes we need to shift our focus in our personal life. Have you ever gotten in a rut spiritually? You got your your list that you go through. Nothing wrong with lists. I use lists. But you got your list and you're going through your list and you're going through the ritual of your daily walk with God and it has become nothing more than a ritual or maybe a little more than a ritual. And you've gotten your eyes off of Jesus and you're just going through the motions. You need to shift your focus. You know, sometimes I'm convinced... Uh, I'm a big believer in prayer, as you know, but uh, sometimes I'm convinced we just need to praise God. We just need to set aside our agenda and our time with God and just focus on Him and worship Him and praise Him. There have been a few times, I've not done that exclusively, but a few times, but there have been a couple of times where uh, I just felt like God was saying, "You, you need to put aside your list and you need to meet with me. And I've worshipped, and the glory of God's come down. and what? How sweet, how wonderful. Because we shift our eyes from our own things and our own ways of doing things, and we shift them to Jesus and get our perspective back in the right place. You see, if we have everything that you see around us in this building, but we miss Jesus, we've missed it all. We missed it all shift your focus uh i at a former church I, we had some people griping about the kids that uh were coming in on our van and so forth they, they had been uh sticking bubble gum in places it shouldn't go and doing some stuff like kids do and uh and then we had a, we had some uh some new believers who were kind of rough around the edges and one of them said a cuss word and i heard these people talking about this for for several several days Finally, I just I kind of had a belly full of it. And I, I said one day in my message, I said, I wish there was more cussing in church. I said, because that would mean that there were lost people here that need the gospel. Sometimes we get so focused on our way of doing things that we forget there's a lost and dying world going to hell. They need Jesus. And if, they, if those kids stick bubble gum under our pews and they, they do some things that maybe we don't like, praise God we've got them here. Praise God we've got an opportunity to reach them. The point is Jesus and His kingdom, not our own, we've got to shift our focus. It's, it's encouraging me to me to see That his disciples, even though they didn't get it here at the beginning, they do remember these things. And they look back after Jesus' resurrection and they recognize what Jesus was doing. He was speaking about the fulfillment of the temple in himself. And so they shifted their focus. Um, Ultimately, the temple would be destroyed. The house would be left to them desolate. And the church would move on and the church would spread and the Gentile peoples, by and large, would embrace it. But most of the Jews missed it. How sad. How sad. How sad would it be for those of us who know, we've got, most of us got several translations of Scripture at home. Uh, Most of us have been around church and. Uh, What a shame to be around the things of God, but to miss what it's all about. Paul said, examine yourself to see if you be of the faith. Is there evidence that God has changed your heart? Do you have a love for the things of God? Do you have a desire to please Him? If not, you might need to evaluate your salvation. So, the danger of missing what matters, first of all, seek God's face. Secondly, shift your focus. Thirdly, cleanse your heart. Cleanse your heart. Now, I recognize that ultimately, without God's cleansing, we can't be clean, okay? I'm not saying that we accomplish cleansing on our own, but we do have, and I'll talk about what I mean by this here in a moment, we do have a role in the sanctification process. Okay? Cleanse your heart. Look at verse 24. Jesus, however, would not entrust himself. He just said they believed. Jesus would not entrust himself to them since he knew them all. And because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man. In man. You and I see the surface. One scripture says, man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. Jesus saw past all the religion, and he saw that in their hearts they did not know him. They were not surrendered to him. They had no desire to follow him. And he would not entrust himself to them because of it. He saw through the facade. I want to tell you. I was good at a facade before I genuinely came to Christ. I acted one way at church. I knew what I was supposed to say and what I wasn't supposed to say at church. I'd act another way in the world. And I'd go back and forth. I'd see On Sunday, I'd act one way. Monday through Friday, I'd act another way. Saturday, because my parents were there, I acted, <laughs> I acted a little differently. But uh, uh, I knew how I was supposed to act on the outside. But you see, none of that mattered. I didn't fool God because he saw what was inside of me. You've got to cleanse your heart. Now, how do you cleanse your heart? You come to Jesus. See, what were they doing? They were bringing sacrificial animals to the temple or purchasing them to offer in sacrifice. Why? So they could be cleansed. The animal would be put to death in their place and it provided an an ongoing means of cleansing. Uh, They didn't yet understand that those animals looked forward to Christ as well. He would be the ultimate sacrifice for sin. They were coming to the temple to find their cleansing but they were missing the one who is the source of cleansing. Listen, I want to tell you something. You can go to a 12 step program you can do things to kind of try to reform your outward behavior but if your heart is unchanged it doesn't matter a hill of beans difference to God because he knows what's inside you've got to cleanse your heart how do you cleanse your heart how do you have true change inside Well, you come to Jesus you repent of your sin what does repentance mean? A, a choice to turn from my sin in my own way to follow Christ. I'm putting my trust in Him and I'm choosing to follow Him. Um, until that true surrender takes place, there'll be no change. Now, Jesus can help you with it. I like the man who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I, I did some praying, God, to help me repent. Uh, Before coming to salvation, somebody encouraged me to do that, and uh, I did that, and God did help me, Um, but until that surrender occurs, there'll be no cleansing, and there'll be no change. Unconditional surrender to God is the way we enter into the blessings of his salvation. Now, it's purchased for us by Jesus' death at the cross and his resurrection for us, and uh, but uh, Jesus knew them all. See, the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. And, and that, that day when I knelt at the altar and I was wrestling with repentance and I finally surrendered my heart to Christ, the light came on in my soul. And, and I was Changed. I'm not perfect by any stretch, but but I, I've never failed to have a desire to please God. And though I have failed God at times, I've still got that old nature. I have a desire to please Him. I have a desire to seek Him because I've come to Christ. Jesus, before His death at the cross, um, washed the feet of his disciples. You remember the story that he's going around, he's washing their feet and finally gets to Peter and Peter says uh, you'll, have, you'll not wash my feet. Jesus said if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. They said well then go ahead and wash my whole body. Well Jesus said well no, you don't, you don't need that. Those who have had a bath don't need their whole body washed. You just need your feet washed. And this was a picture of the cleansing that is ongoing in the life of a Christian. You see, those of us here in this room who have already surrendered to Christ, we know Him. We have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Our sin is as far as the east is from the west. It's buried in the sea of forgetfulness. But the pollution of this world and our sinful choices dirty up our feet. And we've got to come to Jesus and confess those sins. I love the promise of 1 John 1, 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus still has the towel wrapped around His waist. And when we fail as His people, He takes in His grace and in His goodness, He takes His towel and He washes, spiritually speaking, washes the feet of His people once again. And enables us. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He enables us to live for him. He sends us his Holy Spirit. Um, There's a scripture that talks about the cleansing that comes in salvation through the Holy Spirit. The cleansing of the Spirit. Uh, One place Paul tells husbands uh, to, to wash our wives with the water of the word. The Word of God helps in God's work of cleansing us. Um, The Spirit of God continues to help us to grow. As we learn to walk in Him and be filled with Him and let Him live His life through us, He sanctifies us. That's just a 25-cent theological word that means He makes us holy like God. He grows us in the process of right living so that we look more and more like Jesus. This is His work of grace. Listen, I'm going to tell you, every part of your salvation is grace. The beginning of it was grace. Hallelujah. But God shows you grace every day that you live. Every time He fills you with His Holy Spirit, Every time you come to the mercy seat and you say, Lord, I've failed, and He forgives you, He shows you His grace. His mercies are new every morning. His empowerment is God's grace. Paul calls it grace. So, come to Jesus for the cleansing that you need. If you don't know him, come to to Jesus for cleansing. If you do know him and you've drifted from him, come to him for cleansing. He's the only source. He fulfills the temple sacrifice system. There's no other way to be cleansed now but through the blood of Jesus. Don't miss what matters. Uh, The scripture says in Romans, uh, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God purchased by Jesus at the cross. He lived the perfect life we couldn't live. He died the death we deserved. And he rose again in power. And because of what he has done, God can grant us the gift of eternal life. That's my invitation to you today. If you don't know Jesus Christ is to receive that gift, choose to repent of your sin, and follow Jesus today. And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that here in just a moment. If you'd like to do that, um, uh, I want to invite you to come here to the front. We're going to have a time of invitation. Isn't that great? Um, and uh, we'll give you an opportunity to make that decision. If, if you are a child of God, uh, and you need to get right with the Lord, this altar is open you want to come to me for prayer, I'd be happy to pray with you. If you feel led to this church and you feel like God's wanting you to join this church, I'm going to invite you uh, to come. Whatever God is dealing with you about, you respond to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And, and Lord, help us not to miss what matters. Help us to put our focus upon you and uh, to seek your face and to, to cleanse our hearts by coming to Jesus in repentance and faith. And Lord, help us live in the fullness of your joy and the richness of your abundant life and the fullness of your power, uh, all but because of your grace. Give people the courage and the strength to do.